Thanks for tuning in to Charlottesville Soundboard. I'm your host, Mary Garner McGee. Soundboard airs every other Saturday at 6 a.m. on WTJU 91.1 FM. It also comes to you as a podcast that belongs to the Virginia Audio Collective. This week, we talk with Billy Jean-Louis about school resource officers and his article on mental health in the Black community. Plus, we share a new audio drama from Leslie Scott Jones. One of the facets of Blackness that hasn't been talked about is Black academia. These amazingly brilliant Black people who go and get their PhD and work every day primarily in predominantly white institutions and what they go through. Today I'm joined by Billy Jean-Louis and Charlotte Renee Woods. They're both reporters for Charlottesville Tomorrow. Thanks for taking the time to talk to us. At local Black Lives Matter protests, it was common to hear speakers calling on the city to get SROs out of schools. What is an SRO and why were protesters pushing for their removal from schools? So SRO is the acronym for a school resource officer. And the reason why protesters were, you know, calling on school divisions to remove SROs is because uh, experts are saying that having SROs in schools have a negative impact on Black children as well as brown children. There's no, there's no research that shows having school resource officers, uh, you know, make schools safer. In fact, experts have told me that there is research that, that's contrary to that. Having SROs lead to interaction that makes students feel less safe and disproportionately negatively uh, impacts students of color. The data is clear that students of color, particularly when there is law enforcement on grounds, are more likely to be suspended or expelled and referred to the, the justice system for behavior on school grounds that could have been handled you know, differently. How and when did the school board decide to end their agreement with the Charlottesville Police Department? So I'll give you a little bit of background. Uh, when the Minneapolis school board made, made its decision to cut ties with the police, I mean, with local law enforcement, you know, as a reporter, I knew for sure that that conversation was coming to Charlottesville area. And so the Charlottesville City Schools put SROs as a discussion item. When I saw that, my assumptions were we were going to have people comment at the school board meeting. But as I was getting ready in the morning, I received a press release from the school division talking about how they've already made the decision that they have eliminated the daily presence of law enforcement on campus. In the city schools, I know for sure, you know, having all the SROs there was costing the school division $300,000. And what parents have called for is the fact that they can allocate that money differently into mental health resources. Superintendent Rosa Atkins is working to create an alternative plan for student safety. What are some of the alternatives under consideration? I mean, according to the last meeting that the division had, they talked about developing a new plan, but what that plan would look like in the fall, there's little detail about it, but there will be 
some sort of like stages on how they make that decision. So that includes taking input from parents, students, other stakeholders in the school division. After they do that, they will then work on a model for the full semester. And then they have until the beginning of the school year to have that model ready. What about in Albemarle County? Is the school board there considering removing school resource officers? The county schools are right now working on an MOU that would eliminate the daily presence of SROs. So yes. When did we first start seeing SROs in schools? The Columbine High School shooting two decades ago caught people's attention. And over the years, there has been an increase in efforts to law enforcement in schools, uh, among other safety measures. Now, the media coverage of subsequent events often did not provide real context on the issues of school shootings, and that has led to law enforcement uh, in schools. And that's according to, you know, experts. In talking to experts, ways that school officials can make, uh, you know, the environment safer for children are having good counselors, social workers, and well-trained teachers at the school. These people are less expensive, according to experts, and they are more effective than cops. Do you want to talk at all about your recent article, Racism and Trauma, How Daily Stress Impacts the Health of Black Communities? I think as a reporter, what I did find out is the stress that Black people in this country go through throughout the day, how, you know, experts have told me um, this stress, right, is linked to chronic illnesses. In talking to Dr. Ebony Jade Hilton, who is an associate professor at the University of Virginia, she told me that fear causes stress, which is linked to chronic illnesses, including cancers heart disease, strokes, and miscarriages. The prevalence of hypertension or high blood pressure for Black people in America is higher than anywhere else in the world, right? That's what she also told me. She added that Black people die at younger ages and from more severe forms of cancers. When people in general have constant fear, also known as fight or flight response, they have a constant surge of adrenaline. Prolonged exposure to adrenaline can damage blood vessels, increase blood pressure, and elevate risks of heart attacks or stroke. Now, that impact on the health of Black people stems from their worries of police brutality, social life, and, and others. It reminds me of some of the findings from the Determined series that you all just wrapped up. And, you know, the subtitle of that was Stories of Resilience in a Broken Ecosystem. So did you talk to people who were finding ways to cope with this amount of stress? I talked to a Black man who has two sons. You know, one of them is 22-year-old and the other one is 26 years old. And so, you know, on a recent night, he was telling me how his wife, Tracy, was so upset that she started crying um, due to the current racial climate in the US. 
And then he had to comfort her. And so ways that he said that he is dealing with, you know, the current situation right now is just shutting off social media. He watches old sitcom or he would listen to music and then he focuses on work. He coaches young children. So he focuses his mind on that to just like have a break. What, if anything, can people who don't experience this daily stress and trauma do? I want to go back to what a psychiatrist, you know, someone who has like national recognitions uh, told me. So her name is Dion Metzger. She said there are many ways to support Black communities during this time. One of the things that she suggested that non-Black people do, you know, they could compassionately acknowledge the killing of Black people when they're interacting with Black people in the work environment. She also talked about, in addition to that, companies can do more than releasing statements of solidarity. This doctor is telling me that's that's good. What they're doing is good. But then she wants them to actually put plans of actions on how they're addressing racism in their uh, workplace. So like, I want to like talk more a little bit about, you know, the whole acknowledging the current situation thing. So Metzger told me that when she's talking to patients, she's now seeing that Black people are re-examining their relationship with their non-Black people due to a lack of support. Mental health experts are advocating for Black people to seek, you know, this is imperative for the Black community. They're saying this time is critical for Black people to seek mental health. But, you know, the Black community is facing hurdles, including financial barriers, as well as a lack of Black psychiatrists who experts say are more likely to connect with other Black people. You have only 6% of physicians uh, who identify as Black and 3% to 4% of those identify as African-American. And, you know, therapies that target mental health tend to be expensive. And right now, experts are saying that 50% of Black adults are currently unemployed due to the pandemic. The Central Virginia Clinicians of Color Network is providing free and temporary non-crisis emotional support and mental health care for people of color in our area. Call 434-218-0440 to learn more or make an appointment. The Women's Initiative also has a group specifically for Black women and women of color. You can find out more at thewomensinitiative.org slash sister dash circle. Their phone number is 434-872-0047. Let's talk about monuments. The General Assembly gave localities the power to decide the fate of their monuments. And a lot of people have probably seen videos of protesters pulling down Confederate monuments in Richmond. Are Charlottesville's Confederate monuments coming down anytime soon? So the Charlottesville monuments are definitely going to take a bit of process, even though there's a new law taking effect on July 1st because they're tied up in years-long court cases. And then there's been an injunction in place that's permanent that says you can't tamper, remove, damage the statues. What is an injunction? Basically, it was 
official writing from Judge Moore that Charlottesville City Council could not remove the statues. While the legal proceedings are going on. And with the injunction in place. So now the city council and the plaintiffs will have to work out dissolving parts of or the entire injunction. So that way the city council can move forward on the process outlined in the legislation that passed, which says that if a locality wants to remove or relocate their monuments, they have to go through this process where there has to be public hearing. There has to be advertising and fielding offers on who will take those statues it's a process and it can begin sooner in Albemarle County um, with their Johnny Reb statue than it can with uh, Stonewall Jackson and Robert E. Lee. They're all in the court square area, but technically the way that Charlottesville works out, the land is partially Albemarle County, like right near the courthouse. And then Stonewall Jackson and, and uh, Robert E. Lee are obviously the city. Can you remind us about the history of these Confederate monuments? Before we can even talk about taking them down, it's worth noting when they went up. 1904 was when the General Assembly passed a law that allowed construction and protection of war memorials. And at the time, it applied to counties, not cities, and it only covered Confederate monuments. 1904. 1921 was when the Stonewall Jackson statue was erected in what's now Court Square Park. 1924 was when the Robert E. Lee statue went up in what is now Market Street Park. They were erected during the era of Jim Crow laws. At the same time that... The UDC, the United Daughters of the Confederacy, is having their biggest building boom. They are also promoting the Klan. This is a UDC-approved, a UDC-written book, 1913, just a couple, three years after Johnny Reb was put up here. I found this in the minutes. Mrs. Rose of Mississippi spoke of her work in compiling the history of the Ku Klux Klan, that's this book, asked for the endorsement of the daughters thereof, and they wanted to put this in all the schools. That was the goal, to put it in all the schools and libraries all across the South. There's a clear connection that's being made by these organizations between legal structures that are being put in, extra legal intimidation, and memorialization. And then in 1997 was when a war memorial law was extended to include the cities. And then in 2016 is when um, Charlottesville High School student activist, who's now a UVA student, Sianna Bryant, she petitioned the city council to remove the statue of Leaf and rename um, Lee Park, which is what it was called at the time. And then 2017 and 2016, there was the Blue Ribbon Commission on Race, Memorials, and Public Spaces. It compelled the city council to vote to remove both the Lee and the Jackson statues. Meanwhile, a lawsuit was also filed around that time. The initial lawsuit that Charlottesville City Council ended up losing was saying that they were in violation of state law. And then obviously we know what happened in August 11th and 12th, 2017. A lot of white supremacists and neo-Nazis came to Charlottesville throughout the summer, specifically and most intensely on those two days. And they used the statues potentially coming down as like their reason to come. In 2019 is when the circuit court judge, Moore, he stated that city council's vote was in violation of state law. But then something interesting also happened in 2019 is we had some turnover in seats in General Assembly and laws that had been in the process of trying to become law for years actually came to fruition. One of those was adjusting the state law that allows for local governments to have authority on if they want to remove their monuments. We are calling on our elected officials to change the law, which currently restricts the ability of localities to have local control over the disposition of monuments. That will be taking effect on July 1st, so Albemarle County can start the process, and a lot of other localities around the state can start the process 
but Charlottesville is still kind of tied up in this little legal loophole there with the injunction. What kind of process does the General Assembly outline for the removal of monuments? Starting on July 1st, when everything that passed starts to take effect, localities have to publish a notice of intent in a newspaper and then have a public hearing within 30 days. And then the locality also has to offer the monument to be removed somewhere else. It could go to a museum, historical society, another government that might want it, a military battlefield. But then also the locality does have the authority uh, to determine finally what happens with the monument, basically just getting it out of where it is. So Albemarle County can figure out where to put or send (laughs) its Johnny Reb statue. Charlottesville can figure, begin to figure out what it wants to do with Stonewall Jackson and Robert E. Lee. But of course, like Charlottesville is a little bit delayed on it because of the legal tape placed around it basically at this point. To what extent are these monuments related to the other demands of Black Lives Matter protesters? So for years, a lot of people have been calling for the monuments to go down because it's a reminder of a racist past. Virginia has the largest number of Confederate monuments in the country. 75 of them exist in front of courthouses. Uh, So it does beg the question of why the people who tried to overthrow the U.S. Constitution would be here on this ground. If you, as you're going into to court to supposedly get a fair trial, is basically stamping this space, the white preserve. Just the movement of black people through public spaces is becoming riskier and riskier. I mean, all right, there's lynch mobs, you know, you can be charged with vagrancy if, if you're deemed to not have a job. Also, the, this is when the convict leasing labor system gets going. You see these guys, you can still see them today. Guys in orange jumpsuits running around doing the yard work here. You see them? But we're still living with this calling for the monuments to go down. That is only a small fraction of what, you know, the Black Lives Matter movement wants. They are calling for systemic changes and reform in a lot of government institutions, particularly police departments, rather than just saying get rid of these statues. You know, so this this also kind of points to something that's uh, endemic to kind of our culture and our commonwealth. Putting on this gloss, you know, of civility, kind of in the interests of, you know, kind of smoothing things over, and going on, but not really dealing with, you know, kind of underlying problems. Billy Jean-Louis and Charlotte Renee Woods are both reporters at Charlottesville Tomorrow. You also heard the voices of Dr. Jelaine Schmidt and Dr. Andrea Douglas. You're listening to Charlottesville Soundboard here on WTJU 91.1 FM and the Virginia Audio Collective. Both are a service of the University of Virginia. However, opinions expressed on this show are not the positions of the university. WTJU is supported by the Southern Environmental Law Center. During these challenging times, the Southern Environmental Law Center is remaining strong and resolute in protecting the fundamental right to clean air and clean water and a healthy environment for all. In our last segment, we're going to share the new audio drama, Grounds. But first, our assistant producer, Sarah Howarth, talked with creator Leslie Scott-Jones about the series. Here's Leslie Scott-Jones. I am Leslie M. Scott-Jones. I am the artistic director for the Charlottesville Players Guild, which is housed at the Jefferson School African American Heritage Center. I'm also the assistant curator of education and public programs at Jeff School. And I am the vice president and co-founder of Eugene Martin LLC. So Grounds is the brainchild of EM's other co-founder. We realized that 
one of the facets of Blackness that hasn't been talked about is Black academia. These amazingly brilliant Black people who go and get their PhD and work every day primarily in predominantly white institutions and what they go through and how their experience, because they're in academia, separates them in a way from their counterparts who don't have a PhD. Can you introduce us to the characters? Yes. So it's four men and one woman. And I wanted that makeup specifically because I also think that one of the things that is often missed, especially in this type of art, is talking about the spectrum of male Blackness, specifically. Black men are are normally put into three categories. They're the husband, the father, they're the flamboyant gay guy, or they're the blurred, right? That is it. That's all they're represented as. So when we were thinking about this, we're like, okay, well, we want to show more. So I was like, okay, five professors, four male, one female. So about two or three weeks into it, I realized, holy crap, that means I need to write 30 pages of content a week. I relied on my professors to give me stories from their time in academia to tell me, you know, what's the most heart-wrenching, disheartening thing that happened to you as a young professor? Like, what's the battle that you chose to fight even though you thought you wouldn't win it? So some of the things that we're going to tackle, well, obviously, (laughs) race in America is definitely a big one. There's also going to be a lot of talk about things that are only for the Black community. Episode five is going to be about interracial marriages and the kind of stigma that is still there. And hopefully by doing that, I have people that will listen to it and possibly for the first time see themselves represented. What does your character PJ mean to you? What's she like? PJ is kind of an amalgam of my mother, one of my great aunts, and a little bit of me. She's definitely the normal archetype that we're used to seeing as the Black woman, as the mother, as the caretaker. But the difference with her is that we will get to see the cracks. The beautiful thing about the way I've structured this cast is there will be five amazing men around her to say, we got you. You can't handle that right now? Cool. I will handle that for you. What can I do? You know, and I think it's very, very important to show that support. It's important to the Black community to see Black men supporting Black women. What do you hope listeners will learn or gain from Grounds? It depends on who the listener is. I hope that professors will see themselves I hope that they will, in seeing themselves in this, know that they are seen, that the Black community does know the kinds of things that they battle every single day in order to make sure their students have the absolute best education that they can have. I hope that people who may not have 
any college degree can understand that just because somebody has a PhD doesn't mean that you can't talk to them. It doesn't mean that they don't understand your struggles. It just means that their struggles are a little different. I would hope that any white person listening to it can see the humanity in these people and see that there is a layer that Black academics go through that their white counterparts do not have to go through. They are hired at predominantly white institutions most of the time for quote-unquote diversity, for quote-unquote inclusion. But once they get there, their difference is not celebrated. And when they bring up problems, when they point out any type of discrimination, racism, any problematic or anti-Black behavior, they are then penalized, you know, called the problem child. Tenures are denied. You know, these are the things that's, that are happening to these professors on the regular. Okay, babe, you look tired. Yeah, I'm just worried about what's going on with Eli. Have they done anything? I know there was an accusation. Yes, but as of last week, there was no formal complaint, which means it gets tricky. The faculty now want to call a hearing on it, which means it becomes less about what happened and more about public opinion. Is he ready for that kind of fight? I don't know. I should talk to him tomorrow. Check in, see where he is. How was your day? Long. Had problems on two job sites. And a client meeting for another job. Just lots of driving and talking. Two things you don't really like to do. (laughs) Can we afford to hire someone to do that stuff for you so all you have to worry about is the work? I don't know. I think we should take a look at that. Sweetie, if you're being stretched by doing things you don't like for this business, then let's fix it. Maybe Marcus would want to come and uh, learn the business. Maybe. His grandfather started the business. It is his birthright, just as much as Amara and Omar. I understand all that, but we just met him. We didn't raise him. We don't know what kind of man he is yet. I think we should wait to see who he is before we hand him keys to anything. And what exact hoop does my son have to jump through to get your approval? Mal, that's unfair. Don't answer that. It's Eli. He wants to see me tomorrow. I think he's going to leave. Thanks for coming by. I, I want to let you know that it's been really great working with you. Stop. You are not saying goodbye to me. You are not laying down for this. PJ, I appreciate everything you've done for me while I've been here. I do, but please don't get mixed up in this and ruin your career, too. You didn't do this. This student, who is he? 
I'm not going to put him on front street like that. He's a kid that needs to make a gay man the demon of his story so that he doesn't feel bad about being attracted to me. So he came on to you? Not really. But I can tell he has a crush. I gave him some harsh words about his performance in my class. And then... Did you use those words? Because I don't care what you say, that's funny. Can you focus, please? I scolded him because I think it's... <laughs> okay, that's not better. But please continue. He obviously didn't think he deserved the lower grade in the criticism and thought this would be the perfect way to get back at me. So we're fighting this. I know how this ends. I know what it's like to be hated and feared for who I am. My family taught me that lesson a long time ago. I'm not going to walk around this campus like I'm some kind of monster. I won't let them ruin my career either. It's either... It's just, it's, it's just easier if I just leave. And go where? Where are you going to go that you don't get the side eye and the whispers? Where can a black man go in this country, hell, in this world, that he isn't being looked at some kind of way for something? You know, I really was beginning to like it here. Eli, you are staying. I will not allow you to cut and run, and you will not allow a mixed-up child to ruin your life because they can't handle their feelings. Are we clear? What can you do? There's been no formal complaint, which means there will be a faculty hearing to see if there's evidence to launch an investigation. Don't you worry. I'm hatching a plan as we speak. <laughs> I hope it's a better plan than pairing those shoes with this dress. <laughs> you know what? You've been distracted in class. I wanted to make sure you're grasping the material. Yeah, I am. My workload is heavy this semester, and I'm just trying to figure out how to make things work. You're an engineering major, correct? Yes, civil engineering. Uh, my class is an elective for you. Maybe you should consider dropping it so you can get a grasp on your other work, more important to your major. I've just had a setback in one of my core classes. Professor Wright doesn't think I'm performing well. Mm, is he correct? He's a perfectionist. The amount of work he gives is hard to keep up with. Man like him, you think he'd understand that people have to have a life. A man like him? You know, he's a homo. Mm. I just arrived here, so I don't know Professor Wright. But you think his sexual identity affects his work ethic? With all the partying he does, I don't see how he has the right to criticize my work. As I said, I don't know him. Speaking as a professor, however, it is his job to criticize your work. I'm worried that you're focusing on the wrong thing here. Unless there's a reason for your distrust of his motives. People said he had an affair with one of his students. If that's true, that would be troubling. Do you know that for sure? And that's what I've heard. And you believe this to be his motive for criticizing your work? That he wants to use his power as a professor to have an affair with you? I'm not saying that. I don't want to get anyone in trouble. Have you told anyone about this? No, but everyone knows that's how you get an A with him. If you are worried that is what's happening, you should make a formal complaint. You're not in high school anymore, and things we say have consequences. Of course, if the implication you're making is true, you need to speak up. If you're basing this on rumors that have never been substantiated because you don't like what he said to you, well, that's another story. I don't want to make anything formal. If you like, I can go with you to speak to him. No. I'll figure this out on my own. Okay, well, if you need support, please let me know. I would also refrain from adding to rumors about one of your professors, especially if you're doing poorly in his class. It could look as though you're creating a rumor to get out of doing the work. Thanks, Professor. 
gentlemen. So nice to see you. You too. Please tell me this is about Eli. Students have been whispering all day. It is. We all know he didn't do this. I was hoping you'd be willing to speak at the faculty hearing on his behalf. I've already lined up the chair of his department and 15 students to do the same, but I think we need to show our support as well. No, I'm down for showing support. If we let him get run out of here, there's no telling when they'll come for another one of us. You know me. I am always down to mess with the man and his plan. Eli ain't got nothing to worry about. Can you calm down, please? The last thing we need is your baby panther ass getting all riled up in front of the committee. Look, comrade, I'll handle my speech, you handle yours. Boys, let's focus on helping Eli, please. You two can argue about who the government is listening to more another day. I know, we've heard the whispers. But do we know what happened? What did Eli say? He said he'd given the student a low grade on an assignment and he didn't take it well. Eli thinks the kid may have a crush on him. Is the student gay? We don't know that. Eli thinks he may be. If so, that adds another layer. We need more information. The chair of my department is on the faculty committee. I could ask her what information they have. Could you? Have you talked to our African brother? The new one in the music department. I'm about to walk over to his office and talk with him. Either of you met him yet? He sent me an email about getting together to talk about literary influences in hip-hop. I haven't answered him yet. Well, I hate that the first time we meet is to ask him a favor, but it can't be helped. We need to present a united front for Eli, and he should be a part of that. Well, if you need backup, let me know. I got you, sis. Professor Wiley Reed, I got your message. Please call me PJ. I'm so glad we could find time to meet today, Professor Sika. Please call me Quasi. I've been working my way through meeting the faculty since I arrived after the fall faculty mixer. What can I do for you? Well... I suppose you've heard the first big commotion on campus this year. I'm afraid I haven't. I don't normally pay attention to those things. An African-American professor, Elijah Wright, has had a rumor spread about him trading sex for grades. Mm, that's unfortunate. Is it true? <laughs> Absolutely not. I've known Eli for years and have spoken with him about this. I was hoping that you would join the rest of us of the Black faculty to support him. Oh, I understand the need to support each other. However, I just arrived here. I don't know Professor Wright. Does he deny the allegation? Yes. And as you can imagine, he knows how quickly a rumor like this can end a career. It can indeed. Has there been any complaint against him before? No, which is the least of the reasons I believe, Eli. Have you spoken with a student? Eli wouldn't tell me who it is. He doesn't want him to feel pressured. Or perhaps he knows that the rumor has merit and is playing things safe. I appreciate what you're trying to do for your colleague, and I applaud it. I'm not sure I can get involved. As you know, I just arrived here. I have my reputation to think about. I understand your hesitancy. You were tenured at Berkeley, right? Why would you leave to come here? Berkeley was wonderful, and I loved every moment of it. My research has led me to study the distinctions between East Coast and West Coast hip-hop, and I wanted to be on the East Coast for a while to immerse myself in it. Why settle in the South? Seems like New York would have been a better place. Southern hip-hop has become a focus of mine. You see, I examine the African influences within Afro-American music, specifically hip-hop, and the voices coming from Southern MCs have a distinct difference from those of New York, D.C., and even Chicago. The rhythms that originated here are of interest to me. 
On the surface, I think your premise is sound up to perhaps the late 90s, early 2000s. After that, I think there ceased to be a huge difference in colloquial sounds. With the addition of trap into mainstream hip hop, more access to technology for MCs to create beats and the erosion of the Nine Pillars foundational influence within the music, colloquial sound has all but disappeared. If you have need of a historical background, I'd be happy to help with your research. Hmm. Interesting perspective. My research focuses on the 20th century, but it may be necessary to note the change. A fallout of Y2K, perhaps. <laughs> but, but thank you. I, I may take you up on that. The rest of the Black faculty meet every morning before classes at this little coffee shop called Grounds. Would you like to join us? Of course. I'm happy to be plugged into the Black faculty cohort. Thanks so much for the invitation. Absolutely. Very nice to meet you. And you. PJ, I just got off the phone with one of the committee members. What did you learn? Other than I never want these people deciding anything about my career? Apparently, this has to be investigated. It's not just about Eli or the Me Too movement. One of the professors on the committee brought up an apparent rumor that the only way to get an A in Eli's class is to go give him a blowjob. And they think that's credible? She said they don't think it is, but because of the presence of the rumor, they have to take this more seriously. <laughs> so they've already made their decision. I don't think so. But it's going to be really hard to get him out of this. Had you ever heard this rumor? First, I've heard it. But kids make up stuff about teachers that are hard on them. I remember there was a rumor about my Spanish teacher in high school because she was no nonsense. Well, the way they see it is that where there's smoke, there's fire. Is that what you think? Do you believe Eli? I'm not saying I don't believe him. It's just that I think we need to understand what we're up against. I know you want him to fight, but it may not be in his best interest. You think I'm being stubborn? I think we all need to think about how this may affect our own careers. It's different for you. A black man has to be careful what he stands up for. And a black woman doesn't? Or is it that you're worried people are going to think that you're on the DL if you support him? Ain't nobody going to think that about me. And I'm not worried about that. But political retribution can be ruthless in academia. I don't need to tell you that. You've got tenure. What are you worried about? You know as well as I do tenure isn't a shield against sexual misconduct charges. Nor should it be. So you aren't going to testify for him? I don't know, PJ. I'm going to have to think about it. I'm glad to finally meet you, Quasi. Yes, I'm glad we could set up some time to talk as well. I'm always looking for different perspectives on my research. Nice to get to know you, brother. I hate it had to be under these circumstances. I'm sure we all wish it had been under different circumstances. I hate waiting. I need coffee. Okay. Orders, please? Dark roast with a shot. Green tea with honey. Water for me. Great. I'll be right back. Do you think anything will happen to the student once they realize this was an expansion of foundationless rumor? Probably not. Hopefully the lesson has been learned by him and his friends. Words have power. It's crazy that it's 2020 and that trope about gay men being the worst evil on the planet still works. I mean, really? We haven't progressed past that? What does that mean for the other tropes we all fight every day? Hmm. You mean the angry black woman or black man? It's stupid Africans. Yeah, and all the others. After all the years since Emmett Till, we still haven't moved the needle? I think the needle has been moved to different degrees in different spaces, but you are correct that mainstream attitudes seem to default to those analyses, whether there's evidence to the contrary or not. I think we should take pride in our existence in this space. 
Is there anyone in 1955 who thought a gathering such as this one would be possible, right? We definitely should take pride in it. I just worry about tomorrow, I guess. I wonder that there won't ever be a day where we don't have to adjust our existence to accommodate a society that chooses to believe the worst about us before knowing Here us. Here we go. What happened? When I left, this table was much more uplifted. Ivan, what did you do? Nothing. Why do you assume it's me? You over here spreading your communist cheer, ain't you? Are you a communist? No. They have a tag team of insults going between them. Russian wives and Black Panther fathers get invoked on the regular. Pay no attention. Ah, I see. Hey, bruh, what's the verdict? The student explained how his statements were misconstrued. He spoke about a rumor going around about me exchanging sex for grades, and that's why he made the comment. Came back and had a long conversation outside the power. I don't know what to say. I don't know how to thank all of you. There's nothing to say. We did what we needed to do. I'm not used to this. I'm not used to people sticking up for me, fighting for me. I'm not that kind of person who asks for help or receives it gracefully. But I need to tell you, thank you. Anytime. We've got you, bro. I don't know where I'll end up, but I promise to keep in touch. They don't want to tell me to leave, but I'll know next week about their recommendation. I think they're leaning towards fire. What? You can't be serious. I don't know what I'm going to do. I have some thinking to do. Now what? I guess the only thing to do is wait and see. I know I was really gung-ho for him to fight this, but it has to be his decision. We all have some thinking to do, too. This has been Grounds, starring Leslie M. Scott Jones, Doug Spearman, Tevin Sylvan, James Johnson, and Will Jones. Special appearances by Ivan Orr and David Vaughn Strong. Grounds is written by Leslie M. Scott Jones. Mixed and mastered by Ivan Orr. Grounds is a registered trademark of Eugene Martin, LLC. You can find Grounds on SoundCloud and wherever fine podcasts are served. You can also find episode one linked in our Twitter account at CVL Soundboard. Well, that does it for this week's edition of Soundboard, your source for news, culture, and community issues in Central Virginia. My name's Mary Garner McGee. Our assistant producers this week are Sarah Howarth and Justine Baird. Our theme song is Kyoja Beat by Marin Alasco and Jay Pun. This is Soundboard. <laughs>